Welcome to Legends of Wheat. My name is Joanne Sukumaran. Every episode, I interview a top wind player from the bassoon or oboe community. Find out more about them, about their musical knowledge and insights, and what makes them tick. Stay tuned. A quick announcement before we begin. I've just finished recording my first solo album called The Night Garden that will launch this September. I hope to tour Asia during and after the summer to promote the album and hopefully collaborate with others. There's a Go Get Funding link in my bio and the show notes. As an independent musician, I'm deeply grateful for any support. Thanks. This evening, I speak to Audun Halverson. Audun is the principal bassoon of the Danish National Symphony Orchestra. He teaches bassoon at the Royal Danish Academy of Music in Copenhagen with Sebastian Stevenson and is recently Associate Professor of Bassoon at the Oslo Academy of Music sharing the studio with Doug Jensen. I managed to catch up with him in person in Hamburg after his two-day masterclass at Tutti Fagotti. Welcome to the show, Audun. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. We went Hamburg because Audun has just had a two-day masterclass in Tutti Fagotti in Hamburg and uh, it was very short but intense. Thank you for those two days. Yeah, it, was yeah. very, it was very nice for me as well. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what else brings you to Hamburg this time? I'm playing with uh, my uh, former orchestra where I used to work uh, yeah, back 10 years ago about the NDR Elbphilomy Orchestra. I'm uh, doing some Aushilfe here this weekend, uh, this week. The last time we spoke, you told me you were going on tour with the Lucerne Festival Orchestra to Shanghai, right? With Ricardo Shai. How was it? Interesting being uh, back in China. Um, of course, very nice to play with the, that orchestra. It's very nice. Nice a bunch of people, uh, high level and really, really fun. Yeah, well, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, China is uh, always changing every time I come there. It, it's uh, really a, yeah interesting place. Also for the classical music, I think it's really uh, it's getting uh, very important uh, for classical music. Uh, um, so you will have a concert tomorrow evening, is that correct? Yes, in the Elf Philharmonie. Ah, uh, brilliant. Yeah, we, I can't wait to uh, come and watch uh, you rehearse in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, so um, how do you balance your time now that you are based in Oslo and you also teach in Copenhagen? Um, I'm, that's my main job right now. Uh, even though it's a half job, like 50%, uh, it takes a lot of time. I have, we are uh, seven students there, so um, that's like my base now. And, uh, and then I, uh, I have a year off in Danish Radio Symphony Orchestra this year. Um, to find out what I want, if I want to live in, in Denmark or in Norway, where I come from. Um, but I'm, I'm freelancing uh, beside the teaching in Oslo. Uh, then I'm teaching a bit in Copenhagen as well. Uh, yeah, but I, it's quite a nice balance. Uh, I have been orchestra musician for almost 20 years. I'm kind of, right now, after a couple of months, basically teaching and I'm kind of missing this life of going to the orchestra every day but I guess this is also something you have to get used to if you decide to be a teacher on full time so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what the next month will bring uh, of the outcome. 
And it sounds like a, a new chapter for you at the moment. It's, uh, it's also a privilege just to be able to try to do something uh, else than I've been doing. Down. I've been in Danish Radio Symphony Orchestra for 12 years, so um, it's, it's really nice to try something else uh, right, uh, right now. And so also for the family, uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to be able to, to try to live in Norway with my Norwegian family. I mean, yeah, and to put down roots somewhere, yeah, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had a very uh, long and illustrious orchestral career. Um, so, um, for example, when you sit as a member of the audition jury, yeah. what qualities do you look for in a player, example, in an audition, so our listeners can uh, benefit from your advice? Yeah, yeah well... For for me, it, it's uh, always uh, the energy in the musician, which kind of energy that comes out, often behind the screen. And in my case, uh, I've been in, at least in the Danish radio, we have we have screen in the first round. So um, then it's you know you more difficult to 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 get through with energy. Uh, so energy. Also in the sound, which kind of energy you have in the sound, which quality you have in the sound, but 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 basically what you can do with that sound and uh, which kind of musician you 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 show that you are, um, and I I don't know if there is a facet on that. I mean I'm I I like I like a, I mean I like many things. I like you know so it, it's it's a maybe a difficult question in a way. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's um, the the answer will be like there uh, as many it, there is as many answers as the good musicians. Uh, okay, I've heard from um, a member of uh, another orchestra that she, she is a she yeah. that she told me that she can also hear when a candidate wants a job so much that there's a sense of like, please take me, please take me. And then she said she's immediately turned off by that. Do you, have you ever had that experience? Uh, well, I couldn't really say that, uh, no. no. Not behind the screen, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's different ways of wanting a job. I think you, you should, should never go to an audition unless you really want a job, because if you really don't want, if you don't really want a job, uh, your energy is not coming through the right way anyway. Uh, so, I, I I don't think I can relate to that. Uh, oh, that, okay. That, but, uh, yeah, that's a special I mean, story. Yeah. Uh, that's also yeah. important. I mean, yeah. in the jury, is, is different people. So, opinions always. So that's why it's also difficult to kind of generalize on this, I think. Yeah, that makes auditioning yeah. pretty hard and subjective, no? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, what I think is maybe important to be successful in addition is, of course, to be prepared and everything, but also show, to show who you are, which, which kind of musician you are. And then, uh, of course, in different orchestras, they have different styles. Uh, and I, I think you, you, it's difficult to try to adapt uh, in, into something that you think might be the right way for that orchestra. Uh, uh, but but still, if you if you if you have been listening to an orchestra and you think this is an orchestra for me, then then you'll probably show this in, in, when you play. Mm-hmm. I see. I I have come to see you several times for private lessons and master classes, and I always found that you have quite a personalized approach to each student, mm-hmm. and rather unconventional uh, approach to um, coaching someone. 
Um, could you explain to us like who or what has been the biggest influence for you in music? Ooh, that's a complex question, but uh, I mean, as, as bassoon teachers, uh, I, I've been studying with uh, Robert Runners, uh, Eric Birkeland, Knut Sønstervold, and Ole Christian Dahl has maybe been my, uh, one of my really important uh, inputs. But then I've also been working with a lot of uh, amazing, uh, both bassoonists and musicians, that had gave me a lot of uh, input. Uh, like I had my period when I worked in Rotterdam with Bram van Sambeek and Jos Bostijk, which and also Hans Wisse, my weed maker now, uh, and his wife for that sake, Marianne. But uh, especially with Bram and Jos, that was in my same age, and and we used to practice and play for each other every day, and a lot of very, very strong opinions about everything and it really, really also inspired me a lot. Uh, but then of course, of course, I've always been a big fan of uh, like Doug Jensen's recordings already since I was a child and um, yeah, yeah, musicians that I meet on the road, not to mention conductors, that, that has Lately, I mean, uh, after after I started my professional careers, uh, let's say at least from from the time I came to Rotterdam, uh, conductors like Gergiev and later yeah, Abado and I don't know, should mention all and not forget anybody. But I mean, there are a lot of big personalities, not just big names, uh, because there are many big names that maybe don't speak to me in the same way uh, as others, but. Uh, but there is a few important people, like especially uh, Gergiev, for because I find his way of transmitting musical energy is just out of this world. And uh, when you sit under him, you just feel that you have to deliver above your own level. And this is uh, a challenge I really like to have. <laughs> I see. That's really nice to hear all your experiences. Because um, I remember you were telling me to... Um, think about sound in a different concept. I think uh, you're very good in explaining about sound in the sense that it is more than just uh, physicalities, but also what is going on in your brain, no? like how, how you place, how you hear, right? Uh, because you, you believe in this theory by the jazz pianist, Hal Galper, right? Yeah, I mean, I, and it's not, not only him, I think, Basically, if you go ask yeah, many great players around uh, what they do, what they think when they play, they basically sing very loud in their head and uh, what they want. They have a very strong opinion about which sound they want to make. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, am, I agree to them. I mean, I, I, I think uh, the, the instrument is a medium. It's, a, it's, a, it's more like a mirror uh, of your of the instrument you have in your head than uh, than anything else so mm -hmm. so basically yeah it, it sounds like voodoo but uh, in a way if you just have a strong enough uh, idea about you what which sound you want to make it will happen mm -hmm. uh, but of course you need tools to to make it happen as well mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. weeds okay okay <laughs> yeah instruments. yeah in the last days in the master class i noticed there was a you were touching on two topics specifically. One was the difference and the importance of vowels, like yeah. the different vowels we use, and mm -hmm. 
Maybe you can elaborate a little bit uh, about this. No, I've just been thinking about what I do uh, when I to to equalize sound and equalize intonation, and um, just come to realize when you play the instrument. I've been playing maybe different instruments over the year that every note has its own life, so to say, or a, a, its own resistance or character or color. And if you want to make uh, every note sound the same, you have to equalize somehow. And I, uh, I, I am, I'm have some kind of principles that I like to have a kind of more or less fixed uh, ambusher when I play, and not to mess too much around uh, uh, on the reed, but have a position on the reed. And then I, I try to, I try to uh, uh, basically use the back of my tongue. Uh, yeah, which we when we when we talk we make this we make the, we use the tongue to to make vowels, huh? and the same way I'm, I'm you you compress the or you send out the uh, the the reed into the re, uh, the the air into the reed in different ways like with different compression, mm -hmm. um, and uh, maybe I also uh, use my. Uh, I'm uh, conscious about how I hold my reed with my lips, in, at least in extreme cases like the very very high register, uh, like that also comes into play. So, so yeah, and um, so I'm a bit curious. I mean, um, what drives you? Because obviously you have you are very accomplished. You have won competitions. Um, what motivates you to keep going on such a high level? Well, I guess. Difficult to answer. Uh, it, it basically, I really love to play, and mm -hmm. I really love to play concerts. Uh, that's maybe the first thing that came comes to mind when you ask. But but I'm also turned into be a huge huge bassoon nerd. So I also like to stand and this to practice with uh, some great players like my colleague in Copenhagen, for example, Sebastian uh, Stevenson, which we have been I don't know how many hours we have been spending playing together and just you know discussing. Uh, the sound of an uh, octave we play together and mm. uh, how it balances, how the overtones goes and, you know, all kind of aspects. Mm. This also drives me. Uh, but I, I think in a little bit I, I got inspired by also by, by my students, by people I meet. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, uh, basically, uh, the whole... Uh, like music industry in a way, the people mm -hmm. that you, you meet, meet on, your on your way somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other topic that you touched on in the masterclass was perhaps the inner mental state. Right? You mentioned that you often um, psych yourself up before big concerts to ah. play in orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, so how do you get yourself like into that mindset it's like yeah today i'm going to deliver because i have to or yeah i mean there's different i mean um, it started off <coughs> like when i was younger that i'm more like like uh, psyching myself up you know to just to get a really good confidence uh, more like in a meditational way uh, but more uh, after i've been had more like experience with working it I found that I can just get just by really being into the music now just right now what I want to deliver that that is uh, that is somehow the focus that I hmm. yeah 
So being present in the moment. Yeah, being present and really being really you know conscious about what I want to what I want to present. Sometimes in preparation also uh, and and, uh, and as a result of preparation, but also very much in what's going on right now. Because even if you prepare very well, uh, I, at least I believe in this that uh, yeah. Great music happens uh, in right now. It doesn't happen in the in the in the practice room alone. Mm -hmm. Even though what you do in the practice room is a is a very important base for that. Yeah, but more like practicing for me is getting tools to deliver my music uh, right mm -hmm. now. You know, mm -hmm. in, in a concert situation. Mm -hmm. So being really fully committed. Yeah. Yeah, fully committed is mm. a is a good expression and uh, mm. and uh, yeah, actually. You know, I, I'm trying to, as you heard me say this uh, latest day as well, that it's not like uh, I just phrase because I want to phrase like that, I, sh I should phrase like this, but I have to phrase like this. It, it's just like more like a feeling that I, I have to phrase like this, uh, or I have to play like this. This is me. This is, this is a little bit my, my, my concept, uh, I think. Mm. Yeah, so I, I find this really um, quite quite powerful this feeling of um, like you you rise to the challenge you say okay I have to play um, of this uh, new level and you are able to deliver because that's really a very empowering thing no to have yeah yeah I was already quite early getting this idea it was basically when I the first time I played with Gergiev that I felt like okay this person is sending out this energy that I how can I match it? And I then just decided somehow that now I just want to be on the same level. Mm -hmm. And I mean, how can you decide that? But 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 in a way, uh, for me, it worked that it just to, to, to think that um, whatever level you, you have and whatever level is around you, just always try to be on um, on top of things, so to say. Mm -hmm, uh, it mm -hmm. sounds also like voodoo again, I don't know. But uh, but it, it's 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 a kind of a choice. Uh, yeah, mental strength. Perhaps is that what you are referring to? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mental strength. Yeah. How has it been over the years? Has it been always important to play first bassoon, or, or are you also now okay to play second bassoon? Sure. So, yeah. I mean, I started off by chance. I mean, I I've been subbing a lot uh, when I was a student as a second player. But then I well, my first job was a principal job and. Then the, 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 all the next jobs was principal bassoon jobs as well, but uh, <coughs> then uh, I kind of uh, the structure and hierarchy that most orchestras have is, is is like you have a principal bassoon and you have a co-principal bassoon and you have twenty uh, players, and I just felt especially with this co-principal role that it was uh, I was seeing that it wasn't it was difficult to see see the greatest value in that kind of position. Not to say anything bad about the position, but uh, it's just difficult to be uh, supposed to be principal and then supposed to be second, but you're not really a principal. Uh, so I, I, I didn't like this idea. So when, when I came back from Hamburg, uh, when I tried out, I came back to Danish radio and uh, uh, yeah, our former principal, that was now the co-principal, he, he was... Um, he was uh, retiring, and then we ha we opened the job, and then I just said that I would I would rather have two equal principals with obligation equal obligation to play second, 
so that we can uh, work on the same level and have the same kind of respect and everything uh, and value, so to say. And um, yeah, I guess it de depends on who you find. You, you, of course, then you need somebody that you really can work with, both on first and second. Uh, but I was very happy in, in our case when we found Sebastian Stevenson, which I'm incredibly inspired when I sit second to him, but also when I sit on first. I mean, it's, it's uh, but I just, I just realized that uh, over the years that, of course, uh, and actually I've been realizing this already since my, the start, that, that every member of an orchestra is incredibly important for the level of the orchestra. So I don't put uh, more value to a principal than to a second or a third or a, uh, a back desk tutti. Uh, in, my, in my orchestra we don't have back desk tutti because we, they rotate. So we, we are all over the place. But uh, yeah, that's my idea. Can I find out, um, could you name us maybe just two or three of your favorite musical moments or highlights on stage? Oh, yeah, that's a difficult one. I mean, um, for example, yeah, I mean, I had great experience. Uh, the, the, like from one of my guests, guess the more like adventurous kind of experience was I was uh, working with the London Symphony when we went on tour and played in Alhambra in Granada. You know, it's like an open air concert hall with a like, and you have the it wasn't in the middle of the night. Uh, or at ten o'clock in the evening, actually. So, uh, so you know, you hear the insects, and then we played the Firebird, and we played the Ravel Piano Concerto. All these huge bassoon things, and it was uh, it was really, really, really big, big moment. But um, I must say also, like having played Shostakovich symphonies with uh, with uh, Gergiev and also with uh, Yuri Temkinov. That's maybe one, some of the really, really best things I've done. But on the other side, I must say that last, the last years, I had some amazing moment playing second bassoon in some uh, unknown German composer. I can't even remember the name now. Uh, Schmid, I think. Like a big oratorium we played in DR with Fabio Luisi. And, I was, and we had... Uh, there happened to be some nice bassoon moments with the two bassoons and I was playing second and it was just as as big as anything else yeah mm -hmm. so yeah so um, how, what do you like to do in your free time I know you're a passionate runner right you go, go yeah, I'm a very passionate runner I'm not uh, uh, ask what to say I, I'm not running uh, very uh, frequently at the, I like the mountains the wild, uh, especially, yeah, no, in general, the mountains is, is uh, when I was uh, running a lot at that time, I was like, if, if I was driving or flying uh, through, uh, across uh, or beside a mountain, I always wanted to kind of run up. Wow, <laughs> but, uh, okay. Unfortunately, I didn't always have the chance. Uh, you are from Hagesund, right? Or? Yeah, Hagesund, that's, Hagesund. A, that's a coast, uh, coast yeah. city. But still from our home, uh, my parents' home, where you can still see some kind of mountains in the, in the horizon when you look east. Uh -huh. The west is just like Atlantic, of course. But, uh, okay. But, uh, yeah. 
Okay, maybe. But historically, I'm not really a, a sea guy. I'm not a big boat guy, even mm-hmm. though I like to be uh, okay. on, uh, on the sea as well. But uh, I've been more looking inland than uh, out on the sea. Oh, okay, okay. Because my city is really like a fishing. It, 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 it was, it was, it, it, it came up as a herring fishing city. Oh, <laughs> did I ever tell you that I have a special fascination for the Viking history? I think you have mentioned something uh, also about some kind of series you watched. Yeah, TV on, uh, show, yeah. Netflix or HBO, I can't remember. Vikings, maybe. Vikings, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you re- you reminded me of the lead character, uh, yeah. Ragnar, Lovebrook. Just, <laughs> just because of my daughter, yes. yeah. I have to show you my uh, Thor's hammer necklace later Oh, on. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know my name. You know my name. Odin is a direct, uh, di- direct, uh, what's we'll a version of uh, the god's name, uh, Odin. You know. Oh, Odin. Yeah. Ah. So uh, it says even in uh, the the North, uh, what do you say, the North myth- mythology. Yeah. Uh, Snorra, this uh, famous Icelandic uh, po- poet and writer. Yes. Is in the beginning actually in the in the opening chapter of his book it says. It says of the name Odin, they made the name Odin. Ah, so, so you do have the Viking blood. Yeah. I have a Viking name. Mm-hmm. How about that? Okay, <laughs> special. Perfect. And actually, this is even more interesting. If you're into Vikings, where I come from, <laughs> Hugesund, uh, where I have my house, if I look west, I see a church, an old stone church, and this uh, this church was the place where uh, the, the first Norwegian king, uh, one of the first, maybe he was, I should know this, Ola Tryggvason, or no, Harald Hofvang, yeah, sorry, I'm really confused now. Harald Hofvang, yeah, was living. And uh, the, 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 uh, so there's a Viking museum there. You should come there sometime and uh, see it. It's very interesting. Uh, and there is a little, like a, f- a little fjord going uh, between this island where this, where this king's um, kind of place was, and where I live. And this, this fjord, or little, uh, they call it a sund in Norwegian, it's like a, a narrow kind of fjord. Uh, when you had to pass this, you had to go the north. So they called this, uh, this passage for the north way, which, uh, and this guy, uh, this king, he, he was he was then fighting uh, the whole. Uh, he was gathering Norway together, and that's why he was also called Norway in the end. It's quite interesting. Mm. So I'm actually uh, raised up in like in the roots of uh, Norway. How about that? Mm. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. It's not a joke. It's something I got to know when I was like thirty-five. So. I mean, <laughs> Something that has shaped me. Uh, okay, so, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, um, uh, what are your some of your upcoming projects and plans for the future? Well, uh, I have a quite open schedule, and this is also because I'm now uh, I have a young daughter. It's two and a half years, so I'm kind of trying to to scale down, especially traveling out of Norway. I'm doing some uh, uh, some some things. I'm going for a festival in Poland in the end of January, where I'm having a recital and some master classing, and, uh, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm doing some 
yeah, work in Oslo with the Norwegian Chamber Orchestra, and uh, mm. and I'm uh, of course I'm going to do Voxenosen next uh, summer again. <laughs> the master, the big master class we have there together with Fredrik Ekdal. Um, yeah, but uh, otherwise I try to I try to keep it a little bit more low profile profile now until I've been changing up my mind where I want to live actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Brilliant! I I really. I like playing on the Halvorsen reeds uh, made by Hans Wisser. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, quite a funny story, if I can share it, that I first met you because I recognized you from the reeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was it? You were in the master class with Ulle Christian? With Ulle Christian, and then uh, I didn't know who you were, and I looked at your... I came mm, into the room. Yeah, you came, yeah, and then I looked down at your reed box, and I recognized... Uh, Read not from Hans Wisser, so it was a really nice moment, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah Hans Wisser has been very important for me the, yeah, in the last 15 years since we, uh, or since 2005, that's yeah, 13 years uh, when we, we started work together in Rotterdam, and he, he kind of, uh, yeah, he became my weed maker and, and uh, helping me to find my ideal weed. Uh, so that was really, really, really nice. Has been really nice and still very nice for me. Yeah. 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 So we say hello to you, Hans. Uh, yeah. Big hello, greetings Hans. from uh, Hamburg. Greetings. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for this time with you. And uh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure you, talking to you. Hope you have a great concert tomorrow. Yeah. I'm okay. Hoping to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Before we go, if you have enjoyed this podcast, could you please take a moment to rate it or subscribe? It makes a huge difference to getting this podcast featured in the episode and it will mean the world to me. Thank you and bye-bye.